take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to John chapter 8. And those that are in the children's church will have you be dismissed at this time. And uh, John chapter 8 is a long chapter in the Bible, uh, 59 verses. And uh, I would like for us to, uh, in this morning's message, try to cover in some detail the entire chapter, which means we're going to have to move fairly quickly here. Uh, The first 11 verses is the story of the woman taken in adultery. Jesus is teaching in the temple. The scribes and the Pharisees bring this woman to Jesus, and uh, they have incontrovertible evidence. They said, we have caught her in the very act of adultery. There is no way... That, that you can refuse to pass judgment on her. And Jesus answered them by simply saying, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And there's an inference there, really and truly, that whoever of you that weren't part of this sin You see, it's kind of interesting that the man didn't show up. How how do you know when these things are going to happen unless you kind of plan it? And what they were trying to do is take advantage of this situation, and they really thought they had Jesus. There was no way he could get out of it if he said... uh, Uh, picked up a stone and tried to stone her. They had him uh, accused of murder. If he said, leave her alone, then they would say that he didn't care about the law of God and and, uh, was not concerned about holiness, and so therefore he must be a fraud. No matter what Jesus did, they thought they had him. And... Of course, it's absolutely ludicrous to think that you as a man can entrap God. And yet people try to do this all the time. They, they get mad when God doesn't do things the way that they think he ought to do things. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, I mean, you turn on TBN, maybe we ought to rename that the God Manipulative Network because they try to manipulate God into doing the things that they want God to do. And uh, I often refer to that as slot machine theology. You keep putting enough prayers in and pull the handle enough times, you're supposed to win, right? Well, it never works that way. God is not going to make himself subservient to your thoughts and your ideas and your understanding. Now, a verse that we like to quote often and we should, let's look at verse 12 of John chapter 8. It says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, let's, let's put that in context here. What had Jesus just done? He had shown the light of truth 
upon these scribes and these Pharisees who were trying to use sin to entrap and ensnare the Savior. He condemned them, the accusers, by saying, He that was, is without sin, let him cast the first stone. You that aren't responsible for this sin, you can judge it. And they leave from the eldest to the youngest. And finally the woman is there. And he doesn't leave her off the hook either now, does he? He says, go and sin no more. Then Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He said, if you're not following me, you are walking in darkness. If you want light, you've got to follow me. Now, the Pharisees are still champing at the bit. They just, they, they cannot comprehend how complete and total their loss was, their defeat at, at bringing this woman in adultery to Jesus. They, they were sure that this time they had him and he again uh, was able to turn the tables on them and make them look like they were walking in darkness. And so what we have is their first response in verse 13. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Now, we could spend the whole morning right here because when John the Baptist showed up, what did the Pharisees do? They went to John and say, Who are you? Tell us. Bear record of yourself and we'll believe you. But when Jesus was there, they they took this and they used it as uh, really just another hollow argument. They say, you you are telling about yourself. Uh, you're, you, you, you can't be true because if you're really true, you don't have to tell us about yourself. And Jesus answers And as we start this first passage here, I want you to understand here what they're attacking right now is the message. The question is, can you see the light? The issue is, we're going to look at things that you must know or questions that must be answered in order for a person to be saved. You see, you cannot be saved until you believe the message that Jesus teaches. Amen? That's why we tell people when we spend time going over how to witness to, to friends and family, if, if someone will not believe that this book is the Word of God, you cannot go any further. If someone refuses to accept the words of God for what they are, you, there, there is nothing else to be said. You've got to start there. And, of course, Jesus in this passage, as he is illustrating this to us, we have the issue of sin presented, the woman in adultery. Now, Jesus says, listen, I'm the answer here. I am the light. I'm the one that can show you what 
to do. In fact, if you don't follow me, he says, if you follow me, you can walk in light and not in darkness. His inference, his statement simply is saying, you Pharisees, you scribes, you are walking in darkness even now. And so they rebel against that rebuttal of the Savior and, and try to make it sound like he is bearing witness of himself. But Jesus goes on and verse 14 and says, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I came and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. His first point was this. Jesus was simply saying, you have no idea who I am. Now, that's a pretty incredible statement seeing that Jesus is God come in the flesh. Now, I want to ask you, who did the Pharisees claim to worship? God of the Bible? Uh, What book did they memorize from and study their whole life? the Bible. Everything about their life was supposed to be following the Bible, uh, the written Word of God that they had, but when the living Word came and stood right in front of them, they couldn't see Him. Their eyes were covered. They, They had no sight. They had no understanding. And Jesus is just simply telling them, You don't know who I am. You don't know where I came from. You don't know where I'm going. But then he goes on and answers their question. And he says, listen, you're judging after the things that you can see. But I'm not judging any man. Do you know who was doing all the judging in this passage? The Pharisees were, now weren't they? They had obviously... Uh, the best that we can understand, entrap this woman into the sin of adultery so that they could bring her before Jesus, that there would be no questions, no, uh, no doubts as to her guilt. By the way, who does that kind of stuff? Isn't that the devil's work to tempt people to sin? Well, anyway... Then they're angry at Jesus because he stepped out of the trap that they laid for him. Therefore, he, he must be more cunning, uh, uh, more and in their minds, in their understanding, he's got to be more devilish than they are. And so Jesus is accusing them. He says, you're judging after the flesh. You're judging only the things that you can see. He says, I'm not judging anybody. You're doing all the judging here. You're condemning yourself. You're making your proclamation loud and clear that you're not following me. And Jesus then says, and yet if I judge, if I were to judge... My judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. 
Now, who was Jesus talking about here when he was referring to the Father? God. He was referring to the God that created in Genesis chapter 1, the very God they claimed to worship. And they, in verse 19, they said unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hold on him, for his hour was not yet come. So, what we see here is Jesus is giving light. He is giving the message of the gospel. If you are going to be saved, and by the way, salvation is not the end of the Christian life, is it? It's the beginning, isn't it? And Jesus is going to address this further in the chapter as we go through. But the first part of salvation, the first question that must be answered is where is or what is the message? The message is very simple. Jesus is the light of the world. And by that definite article, the, we mean the only light, the only uh, true light. Uh, there, are, there are many... Uh, imitations out there, but Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. As he would say later in John 14, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But if the world is going to do anything, they're going to cast doubt upon the message. I remember years ago hearing an advertisement for the Mormon church. And as they were uh, talking about uh, their faith and all of this, they said, we have the last testament of Jesus Christ. So, whoa, wait a minute. How in the world could you have the last testament of Jesus Christ when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, amen? Amen. When the book of Revelation tells us that we're not to add to the words nor take away from the words uh, that are in the book of this prophecy, and that's exactly what they are doing. We have people that accuse the Bible and say, well, uh, the Bible is just full of judgment. Right. Um. When is the last time you heard a news report without judgment in it? When is the last time you heard anything positive or kind about our president that wasn't full of judgment and hatred? And by the way, I'm not endorsing our president and everything in his life. I I think... President Trump is an indictment against the moral laxness and depravity of our society as a whole. But it's really sad to me when people come up and they they say that breaking the law is good and keeping the law is bad. I, I just don't get that. You see, 
the world always wants to cast aspersion on the message. Because if you don't have a message, if, if, when we're talking about salvation, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Savior, that He is the light, He's the only discerner of truth that is in the world today, you're never going to find the truth. In fact, that's where we move to when we get to verse 21 here. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Now, Jesus understood that speaking in this way would again excite the uh, imagination and the thought processes of these people who claim that they had the truth. He says, you're going to seek me. Now, what were all the scribes and the Pharisees trying to seek, at least in their words? They were seeking righteousness, were they not? They were seeking life. And you cannot seek righteousness and life without seeking Jesus Christ. Could we say amen to that? And Jesus is condemning them. He says, you look, you claim to be looking for life. You claim to be looking for light and obedience and righteousness. If you're going to seek those things, you're going to have to seek me because I'm the only source. But you're never going to find them because you're really not looking for them. You're you're never going to find them. You are going to die in your sins. In fact, Jesus will get so bold here. Let's just uh, uh, look at what they say in verse 22. Will he kill himself because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come? I mean, these guys are out of their minds. They, They just are so blind, they are so cut off from the light that they cannot see anything. And so Jesus addresses them in verse 23. He says, And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die In your sins. Verse 25. Then said they unto him. Who art thou? Do you think they were asking that question. Because they really wanted to know the answer. No. They asked that question. Because they thought they knew the answer. Yet Jesus' answer is so simple. Verse 25, in the middle of the verse, And Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. Jesus said, Listen, my claim of being the Son of God is nothing new. I have made this claim from the very beginning of my message. When he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, he was referring to himself. Amen? He's referring to the fact that he was there and that men needed to repent and to follow him. And verse 26, he says, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. 
Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of Myself. But as the Father hath taught Me, I speak these things. And He that sent Me is with Me. The Father hath not left Me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. So Jesus is looking at them, and He said, I have many things to judge of you, but you're going to understand who I am when you've lifted the Son of Man up. How many of you have a problem understanding what Jesus is referring to? He's talking about the cross. He said, when... You have lifted me up. When I am crucified, you're going to understand who I am. You're going to understand that I have not done these things of my own. And we can say what we want of the scribes and the Pharisees, but I, I think it would be best summarized by the Roman centurion that oversaw the executions. When Jesus said, it is finished, and said, Then, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, and died. What did the centurion say? Surely, this was the Son of God. If a non-Jewish, non-religious heathen who was there to oversee and ensure the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, could make an exclamation like that. Does anyone else have an excuse? You see, the cross is what makes true Bible religion different than any other religion. You notice we're not afraid of the cross. I made the pulpit shaped like one. But we don't have crucifixes around here. You see, a crucifix is the suffering Lord put to an open shame. That happened only one time. Forever. And never will it ever be repeated. The cross is empty. Because the work of Jesus was finished on Calvary's hill once and forever. From the beginning to the end. From the end to the beginning. Jesus said, listen, I'm not going to the cross of my own. Verse 30 uh, says, and as he spake these words, many believed on him. Why did many believe on him? Because as they saw who Jesus was, they understood that he wasn't like the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus healed people. Jesus brought life. Jesus brought clarity to confusing situations. And, and He made all of the ridiculous rules and traditions of the Jewish people uh, understandable in the eyes of, the, of, of those that would believe on Jesus that none of those things could save a person. And they said, surely this must be the Son of God. And they believed on Him. 
You see, we have the message. And we have the person. But let's look at verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Now, let's just stop there. Not all of the scribes and Pharisees who were in this situation hated Jesus. There were some that were following him and believed him. And so Jesus turns to that group when you see capital J-E-W-S that's talking about the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Because you have to remember, everybody was a Jew. It wasn't just the, the Jews that Jesus was talking to. Everyone there was. This was the religious leaders. And he said, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, Jesus offers a progression here. He says, if you continue in my word. He says, then are ye my disciples indeed in truth. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So first you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you must follow him, continue in his word, and you're going to learn the truth. And the truth is what makes you free. How many of you can think of things that you have been set free from since you've been saved? Raise a hand. It's okay. You see, that's the way God's Word works. You see, I must believe the message. And the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, then I can have the freedom that comes with knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet... What was the problem? Well, let's read the next verse here. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Whoa, wait a minute. Well, let's read Jesus' answer. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Jesus was simply saying, Don't you remember what your friends just did? How they entrapped the woman in adultery and brought her here? And then he's going to cast the light on their ultimate motive here. Look at verse 37. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. Jesus is putting the spotlight on their innermost secret desires, what they thought they needed to do. In fact, you read John chapter 11, and it was the chief priest who finally claims to have had a vision from God saying that, We must crucify Jesus or the Jewish people will perish. 
And they took it from that moment to make sure that Jesus would die upon a Roman cross. They were fulfilling God's law. But you can't desire death serving the king of life. Amen? It's amazing to me the people who scream for freedom and, and, and peace and all of this. Their, their number one plea is murder the babies. I just don't get it. In fact, we had a little we have a little track that says how to be born when he is old and it's got a picture of an old man and then a picture of a little baby on the front there. And I remember passing out that track. I think it was Dipmar's train station a while back and uh some young woman took it and she just jumped back like it was uh, like I was touching her with acid or something. Huh, huh, you're you're against abortion. And just ran onto the train like uh, like I was some fiend holding a knife or something. And in her heart and mind, nothing could be more threatening than to take away the right to murder the babies. That's not light, my friend. That's darkness. You can't have freedom walking in darkness. And until you understand that you are the servant of sin and a slave to sin, you cannot be saved. You see, you must believe the message. You must believe the man. And you, you must believe That you are in bondage to sin and death. Otherwise, Jesus cannot save you. They're going to go on. And Jesus says, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. And now they're getting uh, almost crazy in their anger toward Jesus then said they unto him, We be born not we be not born of fornication, we have one Father, even God. Now, you know what the inference is here? Joseph and Mary were engaged. She was found with child. They were married. Then Jesus was born. Do you think these people weren't aware of every bit of information and record they could have? If it's recorded in the New Testament, this was things that people knew. And they were accusing Jesus of being born illegitimately. Of course, we understand that wasn't true at all. It was through the power and miracle working of God 
that Jesus was conceived in the virgin womb of a woman named Mary. And they claimed to be holier than Jesus is. You know, this is the ultimate point of insanity, we might say, or actually rejection of the truth of the Bible. And I I can't tell you how many people I have heard over the years in news articles and people I've met talking on the street that they claim themselves to be more holy and more righteous than God. I'll tell you, they were the ones that wanted to murder Jesus. And Jesus puts it out as plain as it can be put out in verse 44. He says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Jesus cuts it as hard and as harshly as he possibly can. And yet they refuse to see and understand the very words that he is speaking. Because their minds have been blinded. They've already made their choice. They have refused the light that Jesus gives. Then we get into the last part of this chapter. In verse 8, they go back to their same idea. First, they were going to cast dispersion upon him saying that he bare a record of himself, therefore his record couldn't be true. There was no verification. Jesus has already given them multiple verifications. He has given them the presence of the Father, the miracles that he did. People believed on him that were there. Now, they say, Say we not well, verse 48, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. Now, the Samaritans were the uh, part Jew, part Gentile people that, that had a faith that was part Jewish and part Gentile. Jesus had told the woman at the well that, Ye worship, ye know not what. And and that was the religion of the Samaritans. In fact, there, there is still Samaritans there today. They have a Samaritan Pentateuch and, and several, uh, corrupted copies of the Word of God and they have their own form of religion. It's not true. They're calling Jesus a Samaritan a non-Jewish person, a person who doesn't have the truth, and they claim that he was possessed with the devil. 
what they were making their claim is, we have the truth. Therefore, you must be of the devil. That is the seed of humanism. The, if, if we wanted to name the number one religion of our day, that would be it. The worship of self. That is, that is what our society is all about. What we decide is the utmost good and righteous. And if you choose to come against us, then you're evil. I've heard people say, anyone who condemns in news reports, anyone who condemns homosexuality is of the devil. I'd say, well, that comes pretty close to what the scribes and the Pharisees are saying right here. Wouldn't you agree with me on that one? I mean, that's just not too far off the point. They were saying, anybody who disagrees with us has got to be of the devil. Jesus, you disagree with us, so you must be from the devil. When nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus answered, verse 49, I have not a devil, but I honor my Father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judges. Verily I say unto you, if a man keep my saying... He shall never see death. Jesus is trying to get them to understand that if you're going to have that life that you think you have, if you're going to have salvation, you must come to me. And their only response is, verse 52, Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honors me. Look at this next phrase. Of whom ye say that he is your God. How could Jesus make it any plainer than that? Yet ye have not known him. But I know him. If I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. You see, there there are some questions that have to be answered. There are some things that you must know. Number one, you've got to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light of the world. If you're going to have life, it's going to be in Jesus' name. You've got to understand who Jesus is, that he is the very Son of God come to earth to save us from our sins. The cross proves that Jesus is the Son of God. The empty tomb proves that there could be no other. 
It's amazing. No other religion makes the claims that the Bible makes. Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of Scientology, Christian Science Movement, had a telephone put in her tomb, in her casket, a, a live telephone line. And she said, if it is possible, I will call you from the grave. And I don't know how many years they kept the phone service up. I would have liked to have just gone out to the cemetery. And being me, I'd have brought a couple pairs of uh, uh, straight pins and some jacks, and I'd have hooked into the phone line and called them up. Hello! And just to freak people out. But you might get arrested for something like that. They've cut the phone line. You can't do it. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you, the world is full of foolishness. But it's those that believe in Jesus. We're the only people in the world that worship in an empty tomb. But before you can get saved, you have to understand that you're in bondage to sin. And that you're a child of the devil. That's a hard thing to claim. Those are hard words. But yet only when you admit where you are can you change who you are. Actually, you don't change it. You bring it to Jesus. And He changes it. Now this morning, I'd like us to just look at that last verse for a few moments. The verse starts out with the Jews wanting Jesus to stone this woman who was taken in adultery. Jesus refuses to pick up a stone, but writes with his finger in the dust, and finally says, "You, he that is without sin, let him first cast a stone at her. And they leave. At the end of this chapter... It's the Jews that are picking up stones and trying to stone Jesus. But did you catch how blind they were? Look look what it says here. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. How blind can you be trying to stone Jesus when he touches you on the shoulder and says, excuse me, and walks right past you and you don't even see him? How much blinder can you be? But that is the blindness that happens to people who turn their back on Jesus Christ. You, you cannot make someone see something they refuse to see. We have this chapter in the Bible for a purpose. 
Jesus is trying to explain to us that he is the light of the world. If you've come to Jesus and understood the light that he gives, would you say amen with me this morning? Amen? That was pretty weak. Could we try that again? Amen? But, see, all false religion offers you salvation as its end goal. That's why Jesus told these people, you're going to seek me, but you're going to die in your sins because you can't come where I am. You know how I'm going to get to go where Jesus is? Because of what he did on the cross. I get to go to heaven because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus alone is the Savior of the world. We look at Jesus' life and everything about his life was so that others could have life. He healed the sick. He gave himself to pay the price for our sins so that we could know the forgiveness of our sins. And yet, how many wars have been fought in the name of religion through the years? It was the old corrupt Roman emperor who said, In this sign conquer and held up a cross, Constantine, the founder of the Orthodox Church in faith. That wasn't God's message. God's message is to understand that I'm a sinner in the bondage of sin. I'm a child of the devil and I can't do anything right until I come to Jesus and ask him to save me. You see, it's that simple. And you need to understand this morning, this passage isn't only to those that are saved. Jesus told these Jewish people these Jewish leaders that believed on him, he said, you've got to continue in my word. That's going to make you my disciple. Once you become my disciple, you will embrace the truth, and it is the truth that will set you free. How many of you can see the work and the ministry of the local church in those two verses? And that's, that's what church is all about. You know, I've often dealt with people and they say, Pastor, I'm not sure about my salvation. I'm doubting uh, my, my, my salvation. And, and uh, there, there are two things, two reasons why people doubt their salvation. Number one, they're not saved. Number two, there's some sin they've allowed in their lives. But the answer for both is the same. Stay in church under the preaching of the Word. Because it's the preaching of the Word that will bring you face to face with who you are, who Jesus is, and what He's done for you. Could we say amen to that? And by the way, it is the preaching of the Word that's going to challenge you how to live in the light of life that Jesus gives. Freedom is a wonderful thing. Don't waste it. 
in the darkness. Live in the light of the Savior. Because you must either see or join the blindness of the Pharisees and the scribes in the story that could not even see Jesus walking through the midst of their crowd. They're holding the stones, looking where to stone them. Throw the stones to kill Jesus. They're going to murder him in cold blood right there in the temple itself. And they can't see him. You would, you would think that not being able to see someone standing right beside you might shock you into realizing that maybe you can't see as well as you thought you could. Wouldn't you think that? But it didn't work, did it? Because the kind of blindness that they have, there's no solution for it. Only Jesus can solve that problem. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your